Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Engaged Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Simon. And you still need to come up with a new intro. I do. We, well, it's a new year next year, so we can we can try next year. Um, and today we're obviously doing our usual annual Absent Friends episode, 2018. Now, this is not a typical Absent Friends one, as we normally would do, because there are a couple of things that are a little bit different about it. First things first... This year, I've actually um, put myself forward to actually complete the Absent Friends list. I think I partly nominated you as well. You did. You did. Um, and obviously, now the, 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 the interesting thing about this is that I could have done it two ways. I could have either done the easy way, and Sam would have given me his list with what he'd already, all the names that he'd already um, put down as possible interest for. for Sam posted. Yeah. Or he would give me a brand new list and I would go through it myself and, again... Do everything I do every freaking year. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, for once I thought it would be a nice challenge, it would be interesting, and I decided to take the hard way. Um, and, of course, Simon being Simon, because he's done this you know, for a few years and he does know what he's talking about a lot of the time. Four years. Um, thank you for signposting that song. <laughs> Um, you know, he said, Jay, you should start this. Literally, was it? I think it was end of June. June. End of June, June. July is when I yeah. tended it. Um, and Simon being Simon, because he's done it before, he's got pretty good grasp on these things. He was right. It was a good idea. And I it literally, I said, I think I think I was kind of, because I think the way I was doing it, you would have said, Don't pace with power what I kind of would do with yeah. the amount of ad, um, admin and production you have on top of what you're doing on because you have to do research hmm. of research far ahead of when you expect we do because some of them like absent friends and oh i can't think of, i always get those mixed up now um season reviews yeah. those are the ones that really take out of us yeah because season reviews month that is a good month worth of research, as we always say, we always point out in every single season review we do. <laughs> and absent friends, I think I've gotten the habit of saying about, this takes about, forever to do it's about as well. Two, about two, three months, because not only is it going through the names, it's also narrowing it down, picking them, making sure you're happy. Again, is 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 you know, as I said, there's a certain process to it. But I must admit, you know, that I, <laughs> I, I, again, it's Simon said this before in a previous absent friends. It's a weird thing. It's, it's. You know, a bit morbid looking through the names because he said the people that have passed away, but it's also really quite enjoyable and interesting in a way. You know, particularly you know, um, you know, because again, some of the names I said I come across were just, and it was particularly hard this year because not only was it people that have passed away this year, it was also bearing in mind the was you gonna the sheer volume. You've had a yeah. sheer volume. Yeah. You've had an awful lot of people passing away. I've done it in previous years and I, you have a handful and it's like yeah I'll choose them and them and mm. problem solved whereas this year because I've this being Jamie's first year I thought okay I'll give him an extra bit of help I will keep track as if we're going along because I think I kind of do in my head mm. of all the people we've lost and it feels a post-it note on both sides it's a good one and even to, even now there's another name I need to add to it mm. it's in the recent well by the time we're recording this a day, two days before this, I think I'd say, the actor that played Ale young Alexander passed away. Mm. So I've even got to add another name to it. But unfortunately, when we do the research for this, it's too late after the list has been established. So he, yeah. unfortunately, he won't you be know, on this one. Um, but it's part and parcel 
of doing yeah, this episode. So, so I must admit, I did find it difficult picking a couple of people from this year who had passed away because there's so many. There's so many of them. And then the fact we also overcomplicate matters by the fact that there's been two anniversaries this year of DS925 and uh, animated series 45th. So bearing in mind the normal criteria that we try and set for absent friends of free, free male, free female. Well, it's two, two girls, oh, sorry. two women, two, two men. men. But we've decided this year we're going to do six instead. So it'll be free male, free, uh, free male, free female, and then obviously on top of that we also try and do equal in terms of production and also actor slash actress. So quite a difficult juggling it's act. It's harder than you think, and yeah. I say it's. Um, I must admit, but I've I said that's one aspect. But it's of, a nice challenge. Yeah, and it's one aspect of t- taking over this year that I've actually really quite enjoyed. I said doing absent friends, it was said it was a lot to get through, but I did quite enjoy doing it. I said it was an interesting challenge because I could have done the easy way, but I, I didn't want to do that. So yeah, I mean, just wanted to kind of just. You know, just talk a bit about that because it was a bit different kind of this year in terms of me doing it and obviously the, the slight kind of complication added of obviously the anniversaries of DS9 and animated. Um, so I think there's, I think <laughs> is that everything? I think so because you know we had a chat about this before the beginning of stuff. You know, we normally not would... too bad. I say yeah. I'd forget something by now, but <laughs> not bad, Jamie. Thank you. On the first name and yeah. Uh, which this year um, we're starting um, with obviously people who've passed away this year and the first name is uh, Stephen Hawking who uh, scientist um, even though even though we, we've got to point out here that um, yeah come on Jeremy this is how you wrote it you, yeah how... I wrote I wrote it I wrote it in the notes of that he was an actor as well which technically it, it came in... up in, unless I got given actor and scientist and yeah. you sit again which an actor. two things first of all and he did cameos not yeah but that is still he's still an actor he did, did acting so technically it still does technically count mm. I know it's a bit flimsy but it, but anyway Memory Alpha also said it as well so but I know we don't have to always do what Memory Alpha says as Simon's now shaking his head which is why I wanted to say that before he said something <laughs> yeah so Stephen Hawking obviously scientist um, you know <clears throat> so um Alright, so you see, this is the thing about Stephen Hawking. Cause can I, actually, I also point out yeah, that his brief bio on his website is can I just put it this way? Yeah. Awful. <laughs> yeah. It just so uh, poorly written. I've got. Come and on. I just don't understand how such a thing has happened. I really don't get it. I must admit, I felt the same kind of thing. I thought, I said, let's use this anyway, but I must admit, I think. It's really helpful. I'll, I'll give you that. Hmm. It's just, oh, you read it and you go. What? what? Huh? What? What? <laughs> what? Why are we going there now? Yeah. Um, where are we starting? Because I don't know how you want to do this. Because, trust me, and this is a standard of Jamie. Jamie's gone to town on the research. Yeah. As per usual. Mm-hmm. It's not as not as much as um, Kardashians, thankfully. I think it's about half of that, I think, which is not too bad. So too. we've got the, a brief biography from his website. We've got uh, the memory of the thing for him. Yeah. We've got his my computer of his website and the, the thing of controversy the Stephen Hawking actor entry <laughs> on Memory Alpha which I still have issues with but you know yeah um, well, but I, to be fair to you the content is not bad mm. I just don't get the whole concept of it yeah. which I'll get on to later and you just sit there going huh that just makes no sense it's, it's the same information as in this thing that I don't need it in this bit but mm. 
that's that's a nice story. And then there's nice pretty pictures in it. They are nice pretty pictures, isn't it? Carry um, on, Jamie. So um, I think we'll probably the memory after that. So I think would be a good way to start. I was going to look at brief you... biography. That's what I was looking at. You want to get an awful lot? Okay. Right. Uh, so. <clears throat> Professor Stephen William Hawking was born on the 8th of January 1942, exactly 300 years after the death of Galileo. Oh, that is quite interesting. In Oxford, England. Um, <clears throat> when he was eight, his family moved to St Albans, a town about no 20 miles it? north of London. Fuck, fine. And then yeah. the next bit you sit there going, what? What's that in there? <laughs> oh, is it about at the Carry age on. of... Just... At the age of 11, Stephen went to St Albans School... And then oh, no, it's the bit after that. You've, you've missed a bit. Do you, me, do you want me to point it out? No, go for it, go for it. Okay, so it read, In Oxford, England. His parents' house was in North London, but during the Second World War, Oxford was considered a safer place to have babies. Okay. <laughs> okay, sure. Mm-hmm. It's just odd facts. We sit there going, why was that mentioned? Like, when he was eight, his family moved to St Albans, a town 20 miles north of London. At age of seven... Uh, of of eleven, yeah. sorry. Stephen went to St Albans School and then went on to University College Oxford in uh, 1952. Yeah. And it gets a bit weird because it then says his father's old college, and it's like, okay, great, that's that's information. It's just odd bits that you sort of going. They're, nice that they're in there, but but they weren't why? necessary. Um, Stephen wanted to study mathematics, although his father would prefer medicine. Mathematics again. It's like okay, not nice, mm-hmm. but why? was not available. So at University College, so he pursued physics instead. After three years, not very much work, he was awarded a first-class honours degree in natural science. The next bit's incredible, just the amount of things that he's oh, done. Oh, just... God, yeah. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll list just a, just a few of them, but um, after gaining his PhD in 1965 with his thesis titled Properties of Expanding Universities, he became first a research fellow, 1965, then fellow for distinction in science, 1969, at Gonvorn, is that College. Yeah, that yeah. Right. In 1966, he won the Adams Prize for his essay, Singularities in the Ge- Geometry of Space Time. Um, do you want to read the next bit? Um, I wasn't following us. Something. Uh, so after that bit there. Is that helpful at all? Uh, during the next yeah. few years, Stephen was elected a Fellow of the Royal Society and Chairman Fairchild. Uh, Progress to Professor of Graphic Physics. Have I missed a line? Um, oh yes, I have distinguished scholar at the California Institute of Technology. He became a reader in graf- gravitational physics at um, D A M P T P. D A M T P. Yeah. Damn. What does that mean? Where does that mean? Where does that come from? But not sure. Quite sure that. Oh, oh, there. Yeah. Department of Applied Mathematics and Theoretical Physics. Yeah. There we there are. Found it again. <laughs> Progressing to professor of graphic physics. He. He then held the position of Lucian Professor of Mathematics between 1979 and 2009. So, and then there's a bit of trivia about it that it was um, um, was that the one that was held by Sir Isaac? Yes, um, held by Sir Isaac Newton. Yeah. So I mean, just from a kind of small snippet there, you can even just from kind of like the 60s and 70s. Still more. There's still more. I mean, with Roger Penrose, he showed. That Einstein general theory relativity implies space and time would have have a beginning in the Big Bang, uh, Big Bang, and an end in the big um, in black holes. Which is obviously one of his most notable um, theories, wasn't it? 
These results indicate that it was necessary to unify general relativity with quantum theory, um, which is considered uh, one the other great scientific movement of the first half of the 20th century. So it's just incredible just what he achieved, and with his um, disability, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean that's the thing as well. You know, even even with that in mind, he, he didn't let it hold him back. He still continued on and. You know, did what he did. So. Luke, Luke Guerin's disease yeah. at the age of 22. Um, using a wheelchair for the majority of life, I'm going to say, I mean, communicated by the means of an electric vocal synthesizer. Um, I found it interesting the way that they did that, so that he's. The way that he did it, the way that it ha all happened with this computer, I thought that was quite cool. Hmm. Well, that's partly why I wanted to include that. That oh, you've got, to, you've got to do that with because that's a huge got, part. I said part of who he, who he, who he, you know, who he was. Um, provided by Intel, there's no real point sort of saying how it was. Everyone's seen pictures of it. It's a tablet computer mounted on the arm of my wheelchair. It's powered by my wheelchair batteries. As I tablet's internal power battery will keep the uh, computer running if necessary. Which is like, yeah, yeah, okay, it's a thing. Um, and then there's a there's quite a lot about it really. Mm. Um, open source program called ACAT yep. written by Intel this provides a software keyboard on the screen a cursor automatically scans across the keyboard by row or by column I can select a character by moving my cheek to stop the cursor which I think is just incredible um, my cheek movement is detected by an infrared switch that is mounted on my spectacles the switch is my own interface with the computer um a cat includes word prediction algorithm provided by SwiftKey. Trained on my books and lecture, le lectures, I can usually only have to type the first couple of letters before I can select the whole word. This bit I quite actually liked when he talks about um, when I have built up a sentence, I can send it to my speech synthesizer. And this bit I really like, he goes, It's the best I've heard, although it gives me an accent that's been described variously as Scandinavian, American, or Scottish. <laughs> so, you know. Just an incredible piece of technology that just made his life made his life a bit easier. I write lectures before and then save it to the disc. I can then use a part of the account software called Lecture Manager to send it to a speech synthesizer a paragraph at a time. So it's all incredibly well thought through, and it's just hmm. it, it, it's kind of like um, Shinzoid Man, isn't it? It's that whole thing, kind hmm. of how in that episode kind of the scientist kind of wanting to talk via computer and have his memories saved that way it's a strange sort of interesting parallel mm. isn't it mm. I was actually thinking that just as we were speaking but you know I, and it, it's, I love the last bit on the my computer section I keep looking into new assistive technologies and I've experimented with eye tra tracking and brown brain controlled interface to communicate with my computer however although they work well for other people I still find my cheek operated switch easier and less uh, fatiguing to use yeah hmm. Hmm. thank you Jamie that's alright word I was struggling with that's alright so it's yeah it's just incredible how much he achieved you know it's just incredible and I say it's nice that he had camos and an awful lot of little things yeah, I mean that's the other thing as well. You know, he did that. Do... He came a household name. Hmm. Um, he, oh, well, that, he was also featured on two songs by Pink Floyd. 
Oh, really? This is your research, Amy. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Um, from yeah. the 1994 album Division Bell. Hmm. Um, Keep Talking, Talking Hawking from the 2014 album Endless River. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch portrayed him in a 2004 television movie Hawking, which also featured Alice Eve. And if you haven't checked it out, make sure you watch um, the, um, Theory of Everything. Yeah. Because that's a great film we're worth watch mm. to see about his life. Hawking passed away at his home in Cambridge on the 14th of March 2018. Um, and his name was added to the memorial list in Star Trek Online. So go and check that out if you have. Mm. Um, I said he did several cameras, so he's. Future Armour the Simpsons, Big mm-hmm. Bang Theory. Uh, and also documentaries about Red Dwarf and Doctor Who mm-hmm. and he's also in a William Shatner documentary which currently is on um, Netflix I, I, I'm bad with words today That's all, right. um, all about William Shatner chatting to different various people about chat, what they would ask him mm-hmm. and that's a very interesting thing to go and watch it's Shatner being Shatner but it's well worth seeing just kind of yeah hearing what um, Stephen Hawking thinks about it all. And obviously he um, he was also the only person to date to have played himself in Star Trek, excluding historical people who appear via stock footage, um, appearing as his own holographic counterpart in, in uh, Descent, episode TNG The Descent. Um, whilst filming the episode, Hawking was taking a tour of the engineering set, indicating the walkway said, I'm working on that. <laughs> <laughs> on, a sub- on a subsequent visit to the set, he subsequent. passed by... Subsequent, thank you. See, even on my words. On a subsequent visit to the set, he passed by actor Brent Spiner <laughs> right. and asked where his money was. From I love those two in the hand of poker. Yeah, I love those. Um, <laughs> uh, Hawking visited the S Nine sets during the film with House of Quark. Mm-hmm. Uh, we said that one. In later life, Hawking, along with Elon Musk, became one of the leading voices leveling against unchecked development of real-world AI, warning. Artificial intelligence, I should say, warning it could be the worst event in our in the history of our civilization if creators and developers do not employ the best practice and efficient management as humanly and technologically possible. Hmm. Well, Charles, I think we've done most of it. I think we've done most of it. Um, actually, we need to talk about his books. We yes. will be daft if we don't do it. Um. His many publications include large-scale structure of space-time with G.F.R. Ellis, General Relativity, and the Einstein Centenary Survey, survey with W. Israeli, is Israel, and 300 Years of gravita- Gravitation with the same person, W. Israel. Among the popular books Stephen Hawking published are his bestseller A Brief History of Time, Black Holes and Baby Universe and Other Essays, Universe in a Nutshell, The Grand Design and A Brief History. Did you know how he signed books? How did he do that? Because he couldn't actually write a signature. Hmm. Because it was a documentary he did with Dara Brain hmm. going back I think it's two or three years ago. What they did is they got him a print pad and got his thumb and then put it on the front cover which is oh that's really that's quite a cool way of doing it actually just an incredible man just mm. sad loss that yeah I mean it was, it was something that I think we couldn't 
Yeah, I mean, I think you, I think you pointed out to me it's like this one again. It, it would have been up to me, but it's like you have to consider it as it's not no brainers. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, Stephen Hawking, what's more there to say? You know. So um, yeah, I think I mean there is there is a bit more on him, obviously, but. I think we've covered it quite a bit. Um, Professor Stephen Hawking received 13 honorary degrees. He was awarded CB in 1982, Companion of Honor 1989, and the President Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2009. He was a recipient of many awards, medals, and prizes, most notably a Fundamental Physics Prize in 2013, Copley Medal in 2006, and a Wolf Fund Prize in 1988. He was a Fellow of the Royal Society and a member of the US. National Academy of Sciences and the Pontefractal Academy of Sciences. Um, and I never quite got why they left about his. Um, L, um, oh, sorry, people. Um, Lou Gehrig's disease until last. I never quite got that with his about him bit. Mm. So the last paragraph in his brief biography is about his. Luke Guerin's disease, and he's just going, well, shouldn't he? He's just come up earlier. In 1963, Stephen was diagnosed with AL- ALS, a form of motile neuron disease, shortly after his 23rd birthday. In spite of being wheelchair bound and dependent on a Cooper's voice system for communication, Stephen continued to continue family life. He has three children and three grandchildren with his research into their, um, theoretical physics, in addition to his extensive programme of travel and uh, public lectures. I thought it was quite fun because you can also remember he also went in the Vomit Comet yeah which is also incredible which they finish off on thanks to the Zero G Corporation he experienced the weightlessness in 2007 and always hoped to make it in space one day hmm. it's just incredible and I think there's not much else we can really say no I mean there's the, a few of it the only thing it's... I can really add to it is the fact that he had two Starfleet shuttles aboard Enterprise D um, named after, after him. him yeah a Type 7 and a Galileo Type which were named Hawking um, I think we've pretty much covered it yeah. I think so I mean you can find all this obviously on Memory Alpha and or his um, his actual yes, site and you Hawking. can look at his brief biography and you can sit there going what <laughs> I said I think it's got good information but maybe it could have been maybe a bit better structured maybe but that's better just what written. yeah that's I just think. what we just what we think so um, so let's uh, move on to the next name who has passed away from this year, which will be um, one I've again, again, wasn't easy, but um, went with um, Harlan Ellison, the writer, um, who obviously most famous for writing the episode The City on the Edge of Forever. Do you want me to read out a brief? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'd say, uh, didn't I do birthdays and birth, birthday and. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, um, Harlan J. Ellison, born in Cleveland, Ohio, USA, um, was born on 27th of May 1934 and passed away at the 28th of June, obviously this year, age 84. Was an American author, producer, and writer credited with writing the um, original series episode, City on the Edge of Forever. Um, Something which is subject to conspiracy, yeah. which I'm sure we're going to, because as I said to Jamie, Jamie beforehand was, uh, and has. Since he came up with the list, been going, do you I'll, mention it or not mention yeah, it? Yeah, I was a bit unsure whether to, but... But when you say the word name Harlan Ellison, that's the first thing you think of, so I sort of said to Jeremy, yeah, you got and, it. you know, it's celebrating who they are, and, you know, there's, if there is something in there, you can't really ignore it. I think it, I think it would be kind of a bit insulting not, not to kind of 
to at least acknowledge it and talk about it a bit. Um, but um, yeah, in addition to television work, Ellison wrote prose fiction and non-fiction screenplays and computer games. So, and he, I think he passed away in his sleep peacefully, which, you know, it's it's not I said it's. It's sad when someone always passed away, but it's one of the most peaceful ways I think you can go. And I said, eighty-four. I mean, that's that's a pretty. It's amazing um, what things he managed to get into. Because mm, pretty... along with Star Trek, he, in addition, um, he wrote two ninety-six-four episodes of ABC's anthology series, *The Outer Limits*, um, *Soldier*, and the *Demon with Glass Hands*. So that's a big thing. He also wrote four episodes of the ABC crime drama *Burke's Law*. And to two it. episodes of the adventure series, The Man from Uncle. So that's another big thing. Mm. Uh, and single episodes of such shows as Cimarron Strip, Strip, which I've never heard of. No. But with that, because this is a point that I always like to bring out, it featured George Mur- Murdoch. Do you know him? His name is familiar. Is he someone from Star Trek as well? He is someone from Star Trek. <laughs> look at look at someone's face. Go on, go on. He played the Admiral in Best of Both Worlds, and I think he played God in uh, Five. I think. Oh, it's the same. Oh, okay. Um, and Grace Lee Whitley. So yeah. you know, so someone you might have heard. Who about. I do know. Who I do know. And he also did Logan's Run, which is something I've, I think it's the series wise, and Tales from the Dark Side. Um, James, so I found this very intriguing because I never knew about it. James Kahn played Ellison's alter ego in a 964 episode of the Alfred Hitchcock Hour entitled Memo from Purgatory, written by Ellison based on his own autobiographical books, Memos from of the same name, Memos from Purgatory. Yeah. This episode featured Walter Kronig and was directed by Joseph Prevney. Prevney, yeah. Later, Ellison and veterans uh, Trek writer DC Fontana. Both contributed the story of the 963 ghost story episode Earth, Air, Fire, and Water. Yeah, and there's a few more details in it, but for me, there's nothing. No, no. I mean, that's I the thing. I, don't know you know, I think people. Ellison said, "Living to kind of." But it, it then got even more interesting. Ellison wrote several more television episodes under a pseudonym called Wayne a Bird, including Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea episode. Price of Doom. He also used pseudonym for the pilot episode of the short-lived science fiction series The Star Lost, which he created. As such, the series carried the credit, um, carried the credit created by. Can you say the name again? Called Wayne Bird. So this is like you find something out, and then you go, "I never knew this." Okay. Um, also, from 1993 through to 1998, Ellison was a conceptual consultant on the sci-fi series. Babylon 5 for all of its five seasons. You're missing a bit. Am I? What am I missing? Oh, you're talking about he wrote two original seconds, that bit. It's another pretty big show in. Oh, American Big Upon. Big Upon, yeah, I that bit. Ellison, he also served as a creative consultant in the 1980s revival just, of just, The Twilight Zone. Just thought I'd say. During his first season, yeah, thank you, sir. I did miss that. Uh, he also wrote two original segments for the series. Yeah. Sorry, carry on, carry on. Right. But I just wanted to mention because Twilight Zone's a bit of a big thing over in the US, and it's a bit of a mainstay of sci-fi. So I just just wanted to point that out. Um, C- carry on. Babylon right. Five is also a big thing, but yeah. in carry addition on. to two to, uh, to contributing two original stories, um, Walter, Walter Koenig and obviously there were several others who were among those who made. You've missed another name that's Star Trek related. Julie, Catelyn Brown. I'm just not that one. Which Next one is one. And Andreas 
Katsulus. That is. That's the name. <laughs> I'm terrible with his name. I tell you, God. He was um, <laughs> gone. The defector, I think. He played a um, Romulans. Oh, okay. Um, so, he was also in Starship, but yeah, but look uh, it up, Jamie. I will do. You, you look at him, and go, oh yeah, I know him. Um, Alison also held that okay. position on four Babylon Five TV movies, which aired in 1998 and the subsequent year later. Carry on. Um, oh good. Uh, in 1999. In, in 1999, the Human Operators, a short story by Ellison A. Van Vogt, were adopted by Naren Shankar's an episode of the Outer Limits Revival series, starring Malcolm McDowell, also from Star Trek, from Generations, and narrated by Kevin Conway. In 2007, Ellison wrote the teleplay for the Masters of Science Fiction production of The Discarded, based on his own short story, and this production was directed by Jonathan Franks. So, you know, he's done, I said, quite a lot, I'd say, you know. Um, and this he's, is where it's complicated. Yeah, I mean. At least from what it says on memory. Yeah, I mean, he was a man who was, said, controversial. Well, quite talented. Quite talented, but, you know. Well, quite talented. You look at his award and honours, I think it actually might be a good position to mention them. Uh, as he won many awards for his work, including eight eight, uh, eight Hugo Awards, five Bram Stoker Awards. Don't worry, I'll get to the half in a minute. I think that's, that's the story in its own right. Uh, including Lifetime Achievement Award in 1996, three Nebula Awards and two Egner Awards. One of his Hugo Awards was for Season of Forever. Which one of best dramatic presentation in 1968. Do you want to talk about the half Hugo? Because that's, that's a yeah. great story. I, like, I just love that. <laughs> so, so. His, heart, his half Hugo was uh. given to him when the film A Boy and His Dog won Best Dramatic Presentation in 1976. The Hugo was given to the film's producers, but Ellison complained that as the writer of the story on which the screenplay was based, he deserved to share in the award. And it's just him in a nutshell, isn't it? It's just him yeah. in a nutshell, just kind of, hey you, that's my idea. Give me, give me, give me. And uh, and that's not the first time that has actually happened. Um, mm. With no extra Hugo statue out of Avery, who was given the base of the Hugo, which she called his half Hugo. Hugo. I just feel like oh, so, just, just so brilliant. Yeah. Just like, yeah, there's my half Hugo, and everyone going, what? <laughs> I just love what you're saying. Mm. You know, that's a guy that's like half, you know, a glass is half full. Like, yep. I'm happy with that. I don't care. I didn't get it most of it, but I've got the stand at least. But that, I mean, another time that this is also happening of kind of something is Ellison also claimed that the sci fi film The Terminator was derivative of Demon with a Glass Hand and Soldier. A lawsuit resulted in the appearance of a title card reading Acknowledgement to the Works of Harlan Ellison at the head of the end credits for The Terminator. I've gone back a bit, sorry. <laughs> you look. Uh, well, it's pretty in that bit. Yeah. Um, which again, because I, I obviously. I'm a, oh, yeah, there it is. Because I'll see. I quite like well you've seen you quite like the first Terminator yeah. film and I, I, again it was just kind of it was until kind of been through this as I've like, always said there's a certain point where originality dies and you end up with the same old I just look at podcasting where it's like we all do the same <laughs> idea it's just a slightly different person sending about the same thing. thing Yeah. so it's the same with television and film where it's like that sounds familiar that sounds like my idea you've nipped it off no I haven't mm. so it's yeah it's just um what else is there and it's 
Is this Samsung made that love in it? Ellison was also strongly disdainful of being described as a sci-fi writer, along with the general shortening to sci-fi, so you don't have to go at me already, science fiction writer, and once walked out on interview for being referred to as such. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so I would have I got told off already, just kind of, I'm not a sci-fi writer, I'm a science fiction writer, but I don't want to be that, I'm a writer, damn it. Well, I love this bit. Um... <laughs> I love this bit as well. He goes, in, in 1979, Ellison wrote an introduction for a series of American reprints of Doctor Who novelisations in which he said, Star Wars is adolescent nonsense. Close Encounters is obscurantist drivel. Star Trek can turn your brains to puro backguano. And the greatest science fiction writer of all time is Doctor Who. And I'll take you all a one by one, all in a bunch to back it up. I mean, say what you will about what he said. He said, it, it, it said incredible achievements, you know, and... End of the day, you know, you you're a writer, as you said to me, you, you know, it's your job, so you you do what you do, you know, because you know you need to pay the bills and such. I said, you know, in some ways, all these people that we know, of, all these famous people who have done all these tunes, in some ways, they're just as normal as us. But they've got a job, and they they do what they do partly because they need money or they want money. So it's he said all these things, yes, but he said he did accomplish, did, he said, incre- he said incredible achievements, all those awards that he's won, you know. In the end, he did win out. You look at everything that happened, he did eventually win out on all the, or most of the things that happened yeah. to him, um, including with the Star Trek franchise. So are we going to go into the main... Oh, this bit here. Um, no. That, 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 oh. Um, yeah, there we are. Oh, yeah. Oh, that next. Um, yeah, so um, obviously Ellison was involved. Yeah. So Ellison was involved in a number of views during his career over his mistreatment, in brackets, whether perceived or real, at the hands of those for whom he has worked. In particular, was his feud with Jude Roddenberry, who Ellison believed ruined the story that became The City on the Edge of Forever, and then refused to change the screen credit to the called Wayne of Bird Superman. <laughs> on top of that refusal, Roddenberry claimed credit for saving the story for years. Ellison outlined his side of the story in his book The City on the Edge of Forever which reproduces original teleplay. He later licensed the original teleplay to IDW Publishing who also held the general Star Trek license resulting in the Star Trek R. Harlan Ellison's The City on the Edge of Forever Missionaries. Which I've read. Yeah. I'm not, have you got around to it yet Jeremy? I have started reading it but I haven't finished it. I'm not. It's a really fascinating read. It's a very mm. dark story to what the original was. Yeah. Well worth getting if you can. I will say that Eagle Moss does do a copy of it. I think it's edition two. I think hmm. it came down and then it was that. Yeah, cause yeah, yeah. It's edition two. So go and look that up in their graphic novels. Although it'll be readily available because it's I don't remember. It's well worth well worth a read because I think then you get a little bit more into his mindset and you can see that Gene Rossbury took it into his um, um, utopia way instead of the hmm. dark mind of Harlan Ellison. Yeah, I mean, you know, in because a way, being here, that story's got a very different beginning. To yeah, it. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not going to judge either way because I said we don't know the ins and outs of it, but you know, I think I said I don't know how. Dark well, that's was. not the end of the story, though. It's that's not the end of the. In March 2009, okay. Ellison filed a lawsuit against Paramount CBS. And Simon and Schuster for what yeah, he Simon claimed Schuster. to be unpaid residuals owed him for the use of elements from Sister and H. Ellison claimed that the company's recent disclosure of sales figures on the items derived from his work, um, including, including novels, Christmas ornaments, DVD sets, 
Um, Ellison's representative stated that Arthur wanted wanted every penny of his long ago agreed upon share of revenue from Paramount's relentless Trek exploitations. However, in October of that year, it was spotted by a variety that assessment had been reached. In spite of rock relationship with the franchise in November 2009, it is enough for Trent next and someone in Star Trek trying to read the quotes. Yeah, if anyone out there thinks this melding has legs, let Abrams or anyone else with the tops to get in touch with me directly, Ellison said. I'm without full-time film manager representation by choice at the moment, so if the job presents itself, I will work for pay. So you've got to give the guy credit for yeah. kind of going, hmm? you push around in the past, but I'm here if you need me. And you can imagine the guy... Yeah, thanks, Harland. Um, we're good here. I mean, in a way, you know, with the whole thing about was it too dark for the original series? I don't know. I mean, maybe again, I, I I've not Artistic read it. Artistic differences. I think that's yeah. really what it comes you, down. Then you couldn't. He wouldn't. You can understand why. I think you need to read. It. I think you'd find it fascinating because it, I think would it have worked quite well as a DS Nine episode as well? Do you think if it was quite that quite dark? Um. It's not that Star Trek. The problem is drug. Oh, anyway, should I say that? I, I kind of call it. Take that back because I've just thought that you, you do see drugs throughout Star Trek. Actually, so I was going to say do you guys <laughs> see drugs in Star Trek, and it's like you do. First season of Next Gen and mm-hmm. um, the, the Jemadar. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So. so the, but yeah, either way, I, I don't know. It's very hard to say. But in the sixties, nah, not gonna happen. Drug use, nope. No. Accidental, fine. Doctor being thing, that's fine. But two low-ranking officers getting high, um, no. yeah, that's not gonna go down that well. No. So I can understand why that got a quick rewrite and kind of. Mm. But um, why he ended up with two original I think it's about two original lines yeah, from his original screenplay again at the same but, time I think it's good that he got uh, said it you know that later said it got rectified they said that he was given the credit that he deserved for writing the episode even if it was a heavy rewrite of what he originally done so it's the kind of thing I think where we can kind of see both points of view kind of we can understand both sides of it um, but yeah despite that as I said, it said incredible man said all those awards that he, he did win all those nominations and awards that he did win and you know, he said he produced some amazing science science fiction. You know, despite maybe having a disdain for it, he he did do said an amazing job. So, you know, um, is there anything else we want to talk about with him? Or I think we no, I think no? our lesson's pretty simple. Yeah. Um, well, I say that, but it's quite a complicated man. But I think in terms of research wise, easy. Um, right, so the uh, next one we'll be moving on to will be... Um, You'll notice this year it's an awful lot more structured this year. There's, everyone's got their own little set, yeah. and that's where they belong, whereas for me it's an awful lot more fluid and... Hmm. Well, maybe I'll change that when I do Absent Friends in 2020, because next year you'll be you'll be doing it, won't you? Um, so yeah, obviously this one will be going on to um, two people <laughs> from the animated series, um, and we'll be doing, our I think, our last mail, which is... Um, Russell Bates, director. Um, so Russell Russ Bates, uh, born 6th of June 1941 and passed away in 9th April 2018, age 76, was a writer who co-wrote the Star Trek The Animated Series episode entitled How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth with David Wise. And this thing I found was quite interesting. Um, this episode was responsible for winning the only Emmy Award ever won by either of the two original Star Trek series 
which was the 1974-75 daytime Emmy in the area of Outstanding Entertainment Children's Series. He was a Native American and he came from the uh, Kiowa tribe. That's the thing. I wish that was further up. I think that needs to be... Mm, but yeah. That just needs someone to just go in there and tweak it a bit. But mm. well, you, you can do that, can't you? Um, according to the new Voyages 2, Bates, uh, Voyages 2, Bates first wrote a Star Trek story while he was hospitalised in the US uh, Air Force in which he served during the 1960s. While he was unsuccessful in selling the story, it got the interest of DC Fontana, who helped him into a writer's guild programme for minorities and asked him to write for the animated series. His first attempt, The, pa- the Patient Parasites, was rejected, but appeared in the book The New Voyages 2. He retained the character he created for that script, the American Indian crew member Walking Bear, when he wrote his second script in collaboration with How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth. Um, do you want to read the next little bit? Yeah, so already you know he's piqued their interest. Mm. He's already got DC and Fontana involved, so that's something. You know this mm. guy's good. And then it gets even better, because he then be, uh, befriends um, and is the last protege student of Gene uh, L. Coon and was suggested by the latter to Fontana to write the anime, the anime series when Coon himself declined it so he came to the forefront when Coon went, um, Coon went oh, I'm alright I've done enough Star Trek for now so that's a that's a big thing for some because Coon's a bit of a great man in terms of original series so for him to go I'm alright what about this guy go and get this guy involved I think that, that's a again, big th- thing to, oh yeah and I think it's a very noble thing to do as well which as it turned out to be was an inspired session in a short vidcast interview given for Larry Nemchek's Trekland blog oh that sounds familiar Bates relates that his Emmy Award winning episode had been a, su- a subtle homage to his mentor for what Russell believed to be his uh, Star Trek um, episode Who Mourns for Ad- Adonis um, Bates was only partially wrong in his as that episode while not conceived by Coombe was heavily revised by him for it to become the episode as ultimately featured um, Bates only sporadically worked for the motion picture industry having a 1974 episode for the television series uh, Iris yeah and having acted in two movies Gorillas at Todo Ritmo 1981 and Porky 2's The Next Day 1983 I've never heard of them no um, nevertheless he was shortly reacquainted with the Star Trek franchise when he showed up as an extra in the uh, Star Trek special the Star Trek logs and MTV Big Special Picture Edition 1991 playing a Warp Drive so you know there's not yeah there's one bit of research that you missed out because I added a bit to your research this is where thinking about literally works quite well because there's a bit of the story that's not mentioned in this that it is on IMDB go on I'm intrigued because it it is in what you're saying but it doesn't actually generally say is this a bit about the uh, writers um, because it was an open door program Diversity Initiative. It does sort oh. of broadly says it, but it doesn't say. It. Oh, is that for the writers? Is that for? Yeah. What? Oh, okay. Yeah, go. So it's an open. It, uh, that's all it says, but it's an open open door program. So it's like trying oh, to get okay. them in. It's not. It's not much more detail, but I thought it was interesting that because it's very broad, but that it doesn't quite sort of go. Hmm. We're trying to get it. It, it does in words, but it doesn't quite. Because it, you've got it down. You also got to think of the time that he was in. Obviously, when the civil rights movement. So for the Writers Guild of America try and have an open door to go yeah. come on in we'll take you in if we think you're good enough that's a big thing for a thing that during that time yeah so absolutely. I thought that was a nice little detail and that's not big and no no I, I, I looked back at it and went why did I print that I think that's good sir. I think you, I'm glad you brought that up that's why that's why you need to 
broaden it a bit more. Mm. You know, as, as I said to Jamie a few times in the last few months, I think. Uh, um, but, um, it's a learning curve for me. But I, I found that interesting. It's just an open door program mm. that they want to get. It's still, it's still a thing today where every company's trying to diversify. Mm. And that's, you know, it's a thing since, when was that? 70s? Uh, I think it was, was it late 60s, early 70s? Uh, I think it was about 70s, I think. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Cause, but, but um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a testament to that time. I think of... that was late, ni- late 60s, early yeah. 70s, because I think, you've got to bear in mind that um, his stories didn't happen until 74, so it must be late. You know, so you got you know, it's only a small thing, but if you you put it in the context of that time when the civil rights movement was in full swing, and it's I think it's it's, it's it needs to be mentioned. So I've, I'm glad you brought that up, so I think that's good. So thank you for that. Um, I, I don't think there's anything else to say. There's not much on this guy, but just that small amount that there is, I think you know, it's impressive. Because sometimes I, what one of the things I've found with doing this is you'll get a, you'll get some you get like a, a load on someone, and it's not much there, but then you get like a couple of short podcasts, and even though there's not much real, there's a lot there. Um, so we're moving on to um, the first of the um, women now um, Margaret Arman um, screenwriter and author do you want to st- read, start reading this one out? I can do yeah what's uh, this from? are we doing it from Wikipedia or are we doing it from because uh, again I improvised a little bit here because I added a bit to what you gave me <laughs> a few times I think I found it a little bit it needed a bit more. I think we'll do. Um, I think we'll do uh, Wikipedia. I think that's a little bit more on that one. I think. Um, Margaret Alberta Armen, born September 9th, nineteen twenty-one to November tenth, two thousand and three, was an American screenwriter and author. Uh, Pass away. Margaret Armen passed away due to heart failure in a home in Woodlands Hills, California, at the age of eighty-two. Um, cool. She's got big name she was born to margaret born margaret alberta simpsell in washington dc i'm gonna avoid who she was daughter to that's fine uh suffice to say her father was a dental surgeon serving in the u.s naval dental corps and she grew up in melina melina panama japan and spent four years living in Peking, China, where she learned Mandarin, which is incredible. She graduated with a degree in English literature from the University of California, Ber- Berkeley, then studied creative writing at the University of California, LA. Um, on June 30, 1945, she was married to yet another naval officer and started a family. Raising a son, she worked from home writing newspaper articles and short stories for finding ca- breaking into uh, television, writing westerns, and quite a few of them. Uh, Dick yeah. Powell's Zane Gray Theatre, 1960. The Rebel, 1961. Lawman, 1961 to 1962. The Tall Man, 1962. The Rifleman, 1960 to 63. And The Big Valley. Um, it's 1965 to 69. That, that thing. Um, um, oh, if you want to say the Star Trek ones, go for it, Jeremy. Sure, okay. Um, she was also responsible <laughs> for three episodes of the original. Thanks, Jeremy. I do all the random stuff. You do all the Star Trek stuff. Yes, yeah. Thanks for that. Go on, go for oh, it. Oh, Jamie. Oh, you sure? Yeah. Okay. She was also responsible... Well, the next name, you can do the Star Trek stuff if you like, and I'll do the random stuff. That'll make it fair. She was also responsible for three episodes of the original Star Trek series, writing the Games of Triskelion and the Paradise Syndrome... Uh, Triskelion 
and the Paradise Syndrome, both 1968, and provided the final teleplate for the Cameron is in 1969. Do you want to carry on the next bit? She wrote two yeah. episodes of Star Trek uh, TAS, Rent and Signal, and the Amberous Element, both in 1973. Um, and also co-wrote with Alfred Harris, but I don't, I don't know, The Savage Syndrome, an episode of the cancelled series, Phase 2. Um, and during the 1970s, she also wrote episodes for the detective series Ironside. Yeah, there's some incredible ones in here yeah. that you... Most of these I have no idea about, but there's some in here you said they're going... They're big names. Yeah, I mean, even though I've... I said Ironside, I've seen a bit of it, 1973. Uh, Cannon, 1975. Beretta, 1977. And Barnaby Jones, 1977. This is where it's interesting. Mm-hmm. As well as the science fiction series, the million, Six Million Dollar Man in 1975, which is... A, big thing for that time oh yeah Land and Lost 1975 to 1975 The Barnet Woman 1978 again that's another big thing and Jason of Star Command 1979 again never heard of that and then again it gets another big one um, she wrote episodes for Sansa Island 1981 um, there's a few other odd series that I've never heard of at all there's another one two uh, three Three other series I've never heard of. Armin ceased writing for television in 1983, publishing the Western novel The Hanging of Father Miguel in 1984. What a strong name for a, <laughs> for a father, isn't it? Father Miguel. Miguel yeah. Um, Armin was a member of Western Writers of America from 1968 and also served on the Board of Governors of the Television Academy for two years from 1970 and on the board of directors for the Writers Guild of America West for three years from 1975 um, oh you used to say how she died did you say where she was buried as well yeah go for it Jamie yeah, um, there's one more bit I need to add to it that's right. Uh so she's obviously a heart failure as Simon said uh, home in Wooden Hills Los Angeles and is buried at F- Forest Lawn Memorial Park Hollywood Hills yeah again I'm not sure if this is my additional research that you didn't do um, you didn't add to it. Did you have a, anything for memory alpha or not? Yeah, I did have memory alpha as well. Yeah, I did do some notes. The memory one alpha. that I took from that is, Armin was producer, producer, uh, producer Fred Freiberger's potential choice to succeed Arthur Singer as Star Trek: Next Generation. The Star Trek, the original series story, so however, the show was cancelled in the third season so and didn't get the job, which is a shame. Um, and she also did Wonder Woman. I'm not sure whether that came up before. I uh, don't think it did, so I think it's good that you mentioned that. Um, she also wrote the Mod Squad episode at a time of... Uh, uh, Hyacinth's 1970, yeah. Uh, it's, so, she, it's just incredible. She's got so many touch points. That you yeah, going, actually, again, another... So many Another sh- kind of short one, but again, there's a lot, lot to it as well, so... Right. Jamie, you're doing what I do. You get to the point where you go, Oh, I never know this person. Oh, this is yeah. incredible. You should go and have a look online and find mm. all the people there are on there because I do that every single year. Yeah. Um, why, why would that awful picture? I don't get it. It's like, look, there she is. And it's like, Yeah, it's not the progress picture, is it? Um, so we'll now move Someone on. that you'll vaguely be aware of, I think. Yeah. Um, the next one uh, will be do obviously the final one is DS9 um, final one we've still got one more no I mean not t- final kind of thing DS9 oh yeah, yeah. two okay, more names sorry. yeah that's alright uh, yeah so our next name is uh, Cecilia Adams actress um, who you may know who portrayed Roman Quark's mother Moogie Moogie <laughs> I want my Moogie oh. that's not bad Jeremy I think that's not a bad rum impression oh thank you 
um, who or her real name was Ishka on in Deep Space Nine. Um, <clears throat> so Cecilia Adams, born in Jamaica, Queens, New York, uh, in 6th of February 1958, uh, passed away in Los Angeles, California, uh, the 3rd of March 2004, only aged 46, which I thought was mm. quite sad. Um, was an actress and casting director, obviously best known as well, Ishka. She died of lung cancer. And her father died the following year. I think that should be. Is that in my notes? It would be. That's the note you gave me. Hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, you've read it. Oh, it's down, it's down the bottom. Yeah. That's why I got a bit confused. Um, uh, what I found interesting is that she was nine, nine and six years younger yeah. than um, um, Armish and Max Scrodenchek. Yeah, which I, I just found that's just incredible. How it just, it's the whole thing with, like... Um, Stephen Fry in like uh, Black Hatter where he's playing someone that's mm. in his fifties and they're in their early thirties, early twenties. Yeah. And, and I go, think, and that's, that's incredible. Just, and that's a huge testament. Not just said, do but that's partly down to Mike Westwell's makeup, but and also down to her, her acting, acting ability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Adams was married to Star Trek Enterprise guest star Jim Beaver. She worked with Beaver on a number of film and stage productions prior to their marriage in 1989. Um, she later co-starred with her husband in a 1996 episode of Murder One. This episode also featured TNG guest star Daniel Benzali, fellow DS9 guest actress Barbara... Yeah, you'll notice I didn't highlight any of these. I thought it was so a there's a, there's a, that's the thing. That's one thing I found with a lot of these. A lot of these. A lot of Star Trek actors, they've worked with other ones in a lot of different things there's so much crossover yeah you, you get that Jamie that's, I know I, memory alpha. I know it's just amazing just, um, but I'd never heard of any of them so I didn't bother that's one um, you, you can if you want it's a good waffle but nah it's fine, it's fine. Uh, however guess, uh, however television <laughs> work includes guest appearances on Simon and Simon um, and Q- Quincy ME which I, you have heard of Quincy I'd say I'm not <laughs> not that stupid I didn't say you calling you stupid I just wonder if you'd heard <laughs> come on son the amount of times you've got trying to get me into saying and it's like oh have you heard of it so I've gone down you go like what what are you talking you know um, The Equaliser <laughs> Courthouse and the final episode of short lived science fiction series Total Recall 2070 yeah. as was primarily as a casting director she served in the capacity for the TV series uh, sitcoms Third Rock from Sun which is always great I loved that when I was growing up hmm. that was always quirky as hell it's being repeated I think on I think Channel 4 early in the morning so that's always worth a watch I like some of my list of stuff to watch um, as well as uh, and the 70s that 70s oh, show yeah. as well as films such as The Fog One One never heard of it Homeroom she also served as casting assistant on Who Framed Rod Reddit yeah. which is also an incredible I thing. just again that was just kind of oh my god because I mean I'm, that's one of my was my favourite my favorite childhood films never growing up got it so, huh? I'm afraid so I never got that film Really? No. Fair enough. Yeah, it's typical. It's murdering you thing, so I'm not. <laughs> I I've always loved it. Obviously, it's got Christopher Lloyd in it, so we've got, yeah. we can't say that name without mentioning Christopher Lloyd okay. in there. I think. Um. And and, and, and yeah, this she appeared. Obviously, tears were where she appeared in the Star Trek episodes. Although, I think there is actually well, she. Go and edit. I will do because it says she appeared DS9 for Ingy Love Song season five, Magnificent Rendy for Ingy six, Prophet and Lace in six the dogs of war and what you did behind in seven but she did appear in an earlier episode she appeared in um was it season i think it was either season four. oh that was it um businesses was it business as usual no that was um that was the one with cork and the uh, selling the weapons 
I think where Quark has to go obviously go back to Ferenginar because his mother's earning profit can't remember the exact name of the episode but it is I think a season 3 or 4 one so that wasn't actually on there so if anyone's listening if you guys want to maybe add that or maybe I'll write myself at some point just saying a way to pry that memory out if I'd missed um, I don't think there's really anything else to say for, um, for I'm looking forward to trying to pronounce this name again <laughs> you chose the name I, I go for names that I can actually pronounce well, sometimes it's good to give yourself a change. You always tell me that. that. Yeah, just try and be dyslexic and trying to say all yeah. names. Oh, next one. Yep. So our final name um, is another actress uh, from DS9, <laughs> Lillian Chauvin. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, thank you. You um, may have to, if it name comes up, you might have to say it for me. I, I, I will try, but that's all right. It's fine. Um, did you want me to read out the first bit? Go for it. Yeah, Lillian Chauvin, born in Paris, France, sixth of August, nineteen twenty-five and passed away in Studio City, California on the 26th of June, uh, 2008. Um, she died following a 40-year battle with breast cancer, which is just very sad, and also congestive heart failure also contributed to her passing. Um, she was the Emmy Award-nominated French actress, writer and director who played Vedic Yassim in the DS9 episode, Rocks and Shoals. So, you know, I said one episode she was in, but she made it, I said, for just a couple of scenes, she made it, I think, <laughs> good impact um, she was a native of Paris France where she began her career in show business working thank you for clarifying where Paris is hmm huh thank you for clarifying where Paris is <laughs> sorry um, <laughs> um, working in broadcast radio <laughs> she was initially desired to become a lawyer but soon shifted to acting she moved to New York on her 21st first birthday <laughs> in 1946 <laughs> and became a US citizen her acting career spanned nearly six decades with over 120 film and television appearances. In addition to acting, Chauvin was also a writer-director, so she did like several stage productions in Los Angeles. Um, in total, she has 34 directing credits as a member of the Directors Guild of America. She was also an acting and directing coach. She was the creator, showrunner and host of the instruction, instructional series Hollywood Structured. Additionally, she was a member of Women in Film for 39 years, which included two stints as the organisation's vice president. And that's literally just from one paragraph, just all the stuff that she's done. I mean, it's incredible. It really is just amazing, the amount of stuff she's done in her lifetime. You know, considering. Um, did you want to read some bit of her film work or anything? There's loads. It's... <laughs> As I've said to Jamie throughout, there's a few names in here I'm a few a bit iffy with, and this yeah. is one of them where there's not much that I I know. Um, the only one that I could there's only a few that I could see in a film career and a few from a television. If you want to just I read know. those out, that's fine, sir. It's not a problem. Because the rest of them, I'll, look, I'll show you. There's not much, but I, that's fine. The one that I saw was sort of a notice. We will, uh, we will go into some of the other ones. I think that's only fair, and, and I may go back over her stage production because there's only. Thought three there, so we might as well mention them. Um, so her stage productions are Last Summer at Bluefish Cove, The Happy Time, and Last Laughter and Love. So they're all you can tell from. I always think they're all her sayings. Even from the name, you get a good inkling of, of mm. the range of that person, what they're capable of doing. Mm. Um, the film work that stood out to me was the Elvis Presley picture King Corral because it's like it's a big thing to get. Elvis Presley involved in one of your films so that was a really interesting thing to um, but her, she's best known for playing 
Mother Superior and the 1984 horror film Silent Hill, which I haven't seen, but if it's if it's, if memory of telling me that's worth mentioning, I'm going to mention it. Um, what well, pick and choose which ones we talk about? Because there's an awful lot of stuff in here that I don't know about. Um, just just should read the ones that you do know, and we can say. Well, that was it. Okay, and um, I didn't even I haven't seen it either, though. <laughs> so that's so how I'm clutching at straws. Um, they're well, the films I've never heard of. Well, I mean, for me, I mean... It gets better later on, but even that's a bit iffy. Early stuff, no chance. Um, Silk Stockings, Les Girls, 1958, 50, 57. Um, the, wreck, the Wreck of Mary Deer, uh, North, to, North to Alaska. Yeah, now that is interesting because I have actually seen North to Alaska. And I'm not actually entirely sure what part she played. Well, that's great, Jeremy. That's yeah. Yeah. What I'm saying is, I'll ask my dad about that, and if it comes up in a future episode, if I remember, I might quickly mention it. Um, well, good luck, people. You won't hear that because that will quickly get forgotten about. No, it won't. I'm actually going to ask my dad about that because I'm really quite intrigued. Um, but again, it's something that she's appeared in that I didn't know, and I've watched the film a couple of times. Um, yeah. Lost, Lonely and Vicious, Yours, Mine and Ours, I have no idea how you pronounce that one, Funny Lady, lady. Deadly Night, It's that one I have no idea how you pronounce that thing. The Memphisto Waltz. That thing. Yep. Uh, Private Benjamin, 1990's Predator 2, so we vaguely get into things I'm aware of at least, uh, 1992 Universal Soldier, mm-hmm. 1994 Pumpkin's Head Two Blood Wings, whatever that is. Yes, I know. Starring Andrew yeah. Robinson. <laughs> two thousand one's The Man Who Wasn't There, and two thousand two Catch Me If You Can. Mm-hmm. Uh, Listen to Me, starring um, Anthony Zerb. He was in stuff as well, but you probably don't know where yeah. or where. I think he was in Insurrection. Bad Influence, nineteen ninety, with Don DeLancey. <laughs> True Identity, nineteen ninety one, and No Place to Hide. Um, so we'll move on to I think just the last bit which will be just a bit about her television work um, so it says here Chauvin guest starred on numerous TV series in the course of her career in 1965 uh, she starred in an episode of The Man From Uncle um, two, yeah, carry on. Carry two years later she was cast by that's ve- exactly what I did so yep. go for it <laughs> two years later she was cast by veteran Star Trek the original series director Mark Daniels in the episode of Mission Impossible sorry people I should explain that in there it says who she also co- co-starred in um, The Man from Uncle Inn, and we've skipped by that because we have no idea who those people are yeah. so it's just us both going to each other yep I did that as well <laughs> keep going that, that's all that was guys just, just so you know yeah. just... um, <laughs> with fellow DS9 guest star Fritz Weaver um, she received a Emmy nomination for a guest appearance on a 1977 episode of the NBC events drama series Bar, Bar Black Sheep um, She also this, this I found quite interesting in 1979 she appeared with Ricardo Montalban's popular series Fantasy Island um, let's see what else we have here oh she was also later nominated by the daytime you've missed something as well you've missed out another Star Trek link you're doing pretty well with the Star Trek links in this episode Jamie, yeah. aren't you I am, thank in you. In 1982, she worked with Roger C. Carmichael on the episode of Different, Different Strokes. Ah. Roger C. Carmichael? Mm-hmm. I missed that bit. Who was... <laughs> Something in Star Trek. It's so Harry many... Harry Mudd? 
Oh, the original Harry. Oh, okay. Harry Maduro, Cyrano Jones, one of those. I can never remember which one. He's one of them. We have to look that up. Um, I'm right, though. No, I believe you. Um, <laughs> she was later nominated by Daytime Emmy Awards once again for a performance in a 1990 episode of the CBS. I'm not going to mention her reoccurring role. Soap opera The Young and the Restless. And in 1983 and 1984, she also played the reoccurring role of Sister Jeanette on the primetime soap opera Falcon Crest. Um, uh, in addition. In addition to DS9, um, <laughs> she also worked or appeared on in sci-fi including Earth 2 and The X-Files yeah I know that one uh, and J.J. Abrams alias I'm aware of it yep among the many other television shows on which children has guest starred Adventures of Superman yep what's that one Maverick Perry Mason Daniel Boone Mannix The Bob Newhart Show Magnum P.I. The Heard Facts of, of Life Baywatch of yes and Murder She Wrote aware of it yep more recent guest spots include episodes of Friends and she played uh, Joey's Italian grandmother <laughs> which I just great that was uh, Fraser, ER, and CSI. Um, she made her last television appearance in a 2000 episode of Ugly Betty as well. So, not a lot. Hmm? So, not a lot then? No, not, she's not done much at all. Not it's over. Just, you know, anything mm. you can think of, she's been in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. you know, just, you know, they're all incredible. And they say, you know, over the years we've done, I think, We've done this, what, four years in a row now? We've yeah. done six this year, and I think I've done, what, four, four every other year? Four previous years. Uh, no, three, isn't it? Three years, yeah. yeah. Mm. So we've done a good... We've had 18 people, but you go on that site, and it goes on. Mm. And each of those people have got CVs like this. Like it's I said, just incredible. And it, it just... The whole fabric of everything we've grown up with and everything you will have seen someone somewhere will have had some involvement in yeah. it I'm quite certain of that because you go in here and it's just like mm. like like you're saying there's a link to something and you go oh, oh I was on that thing oh I never knew that mm. them hidden around backstage and you go oh I didn't know that that's mm. cool it's you know I said, nothing it, it wasn't easy I said choosing the names that I, I chose I said it was very difficult particularly the ones that but passed I away think this it's year proven to me at least we can do six and it doesn't go on forever. No, I and think I it's... think we've both we've given them the time they deserve, and I think yeah. just like I said because I said there are names there that you guys will be very familiar with, and there's probably some there that you won't be. But again, it's about showing a lot on those, you know, who don't who are, who haven't had who haven't you know who maybe do get <laughs> get forgotten about as we've retired in previous years. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think said I think said that's. I think that ends. I think that ends. Enough. I don't think there's anything. Don't there. say again, Jamie. Yeah. So um. End it in a different way. Yeah. <clears throat> if you can. If I can, I'm not quite sure how to end this now. To end it in my usual way, it's difficult to break the habit. Uh, yeah. So we hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Um, and go and check out Memory Alpha. I think. Yeah. We might try and put a link. I don't know how this is going to work out this year, Jamie. Depending what you want to do, I, I actually I do know because you've sent it to me already. Yeah, I've already um, done that. But we might put a thing in about memory alpha in there somewhere Maybe. or not. Or I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. But no. but go and check that out. That list because it's a humongous list, hmm. and they deserve to be recognised. And if that means I said this one of you out there having a quick peek. It's well worth us doing this yeah. episode. Yeah, and it's, said, it's, it's, so, it's why we do this every year. So, 
you know, to do to do to said to, to highlight those names because you know we could do, you know, yeah. So um, I think uh, our next episode will be um, something special. Yes, um, something we do want to. I think we have mentioned it before, but we'll mention it again. You, you probably go into yeah. a bit more detail these days. Um, our next episode will be our hundredth. Yeah, which we're claiming is a hundred. I'm not sure if it actually is, but we're going for it. Yeah, I mean, since we've since we've since, us, we, since we've gone not, live, yeah, yeah, because we, yeah. But uh, so far, either way, we <laughs> have already gone over a hundred. I'm pretty certain that we're up to about 120 odd episodes. I think I have got rough. But we figure, don't but, count the ones before we went live, technically, because they were more practice. But yeah. But SoundCloud wise, it's around hundred, hundred mm-hmm. ish odd episodes and that's roughly about right yeah. where it's so, it, so we're going to be doing a special celebration celebra- uh, celebratory episode where we'll be getting on um, a few of our most featured guests where we'll all be chatting about um, our just chatting about past times where where we've come on their podcast and vice versa so you know it'd be a nice to said it's going to be a nice fun episode to do and it's you said we wanted to do something special for it um and then obviously we'll be doing then our final episode will be our usual well yeah again yeah. as per usual for the end of the year we would quite like to have the christmas holidays without any work to do because well yeah i, I this point in the time you've kind of you gone i've done that i want to spend time with my family and friends now and go and drink eat and be merry than fussing over yeah, so I, I, so uh, they will be going out the first couple of weeks of December as per usual, so mm-hmm. that you can listen to them up to the build up to Christmas, and not have to. Yeah, so that because yeah, and obviously any any in case you missed it, I mean we haven't talked about this, but we'll probably do. Uh, we may do, do one. Of, we don't. No. They tend to go out the window in December. Just <laughs> maybe we'll do no one for barely for about, so it's not worth bothering with. <laughs> But no, so our last episode obviously will be going out on the twelfth of December. That'll be the yearbook. Um, and then we'll. And then obviously between then and the end of the year, there'll be that transitional period where I'll be passing things over back to Simon. They won't notice. I know. But anyway, yeah. So I'll be. And it will start up again yeah. beginning of next year. Although I have no idea for dates yet because I haven't been given my new diary yet. Yeah. But so... it will be the second week of. Normal, normal, as I usually, I think normal, as I usually say, normal service will presumed. You know, Actually, why are we doing this chat now when we? Do I have it no idea, bit, but we'll do, mind. <laughs> we'll do it again then. Um, we'll normal it. service will be resumed in the second week of December, where mm-hmm. I think December, if in the, uh, January, yeah, that that month, <laughs> the first one, yeah, so uh, the month yeah. before my birthday, there yes. we are. In between December and between February, that one, um. So, second week of January, yes. that one, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that month. So, um, yeah, um, we. Um, well, we will finally be doing gold shirts because that's been on our books for all, while, about a year. Along with a lot of other stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah that's, that's. Given, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, see, we'll be back with our 100th episode. Uh, and, yeah, we hope you guys enjoy, uh, hope you enjoy listening to this one. So, yeah. We'll <laughs> see you soon, guys. Bye. See you soon. Bye.